When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Holly Knight. I am a songwriting Hall of Famer. And you're listening to Tom and Ziz on Shout It Out Loudcast. Oh, boy. Here we go. Boy. Pressing the button. Star? Simmons. Star? Stop shouting. He's not what you would call a handsome man. Oh no, here come the kiss times. Is that a positive thing? Okay. Alright. I'm gonna grab me an ice cold mellow out. Why? Why do that to the fan? Stop it. Why? Because fuck That's all. Six one seven five two five zero. You do? Hey, fucko! Do you like? Yes. Settle down. Hello. Hey, what's up, there, Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus with another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast, episode two fifty five. Desmond Child. Tom. I think we hit the big time. Yeah. I mean, this has been the year of the songwriter interviews and woo, Desmond Child. Incredible stuff. Great, great interview. Yeah, we've been uh, talking with him quite some time now about mm-hmm. figuring out a, a time that suits his crazy schedule. And uh, yep. we were going to meet him at the uh, <laughs> at the last concert. Things got a little hectic. He didn't even realize he was going to get interviewed there. And he did. And uh but uh, we're glad to have him. I mean, years ago, starting this show, we're gonna have yeah. Desmond Child on. Tom, we we would just be like, yeah, dude, let's yeah. let's dumb it down. Maybe someday we can get Hall of Famer Joey Casada on the show. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I know Joey Casada. Let's set the bar low. Maybe we can get that guy on the show. <laughs> he ain't doing anything. What's he doing? He's available. Yeah. yeah, we got we got Desmond for over an hour, so it was it yeah. was great. It was Wait, great. And, and if we didn't cut it off, you could we could have talked for even longer. Yeah, great guest. You guys, you guys will love it. Yep, yep. Tom, last week we had our annual Kiss Festivus episode, oh my where God. we talked about our Kiss grievances and things that we would like to change, fix, bitch about, whatever you want to call it. We put it out there, and uh, boy. Uh, we got a lot of reaction from that, and so we're going to get some nice comments, some happy comments, some people bitching about our bitching about the bitches that bitch. I'm telling you, I think next year we start a new tradition. Yes. We do Festivus, mm-hmm. and then the following episode will be Festivus about the Festivus episode. About the reaction, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll do Festivus reaction episode, because all of you people who think that we are 
public employees <laughs> of the Shout It Out Loudcast Corporation. I'm a public employee on my real job, not when I'm behind the microphone. They we do, yeah. we do, we do what we want in hopes that you enjoy it. If you don't, there are other avenues for your entertainment. Okay. This is our show. You've been listening to it for five years, hopefully. I'm sorry if it offends you or if we say something that's a little too edgy or provocative. That's us. If you don't like it, there are other shows where you can get kiss massages from. This ain't it. Yeah, where everybody can hedge a comment. Yeah, no, I don't want to get anybody upset. I, I, I like everything. Yeah, don't don't send me mean messages. Ugh. Yeah, listen, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> we are not. This isn't the Green Bay Packers annual <laughs> stockholders <laughs> meeting. <laughs> exactly. Where you guys get to tell us, you know, uh, I found that that comment went a little too much, you know. Uh, I don't understand why you would think that, you know, Kiss owes it to you. Then just be a sucker the rest of your life. You know what it reminds me of? What you know, the hell is wrong with you people? It reminds me of the story that we told about when we lived with Junior. We lived in, in, the, in pits. And it's like, what are you doing with that poster? I think that's sexy enough. That was it, it. It's like the, it's like the becoming it's like, like me. You're forgetting things. What? Oh, the guy oh, was at Flynn and he came what did down. I say? Oh, I said, said pits. I meant yeah. Flynn, Flynn, Flynn basement. And, and John King, the RD. Yes. Saw yes. Because Philbo had put up a bitch on this poster of like four women on motorcycles, on motorcycles. with like flaps everywhere oh, yeah. bent over yeah. on the motorcycles. It yeah. was just. It was bad. And then so he my looked po- at the Kathy Ireland poster and he's like, you know, this is sexy enough. I don't yeah. approve of this. So my point is that like, it's almost like listeners are like, what are you saying that for? That's funny enough. Yeah. You don't have to say that. Say yeah. that instead. Oh, no. Like, uh, I'll give you uh, for an example. We had something earlier today. Somebody didn't like the fact that, you know, Kiss put a nice picture up of Peter saying we wish him a happy birthday and happy birthday to the cat man. Absolutely. Love him. Yes. But no mention of Catman in the picture and no and, Peter and in no, makeup. And no makeup. Yeah. And so I pointed out. And someone has to fucking lecture me why I'm doing that. First of all, I think it's a great observation. And I think it's it's calculated by Kiss. Oh, absolutely. And and th- th- but that's the point. The fact that we can't comment on something because we quote unquote are stirring the pot. Is this, your first, <laughs> is this your first time listening to us? Dude, I mean, first a podcast. First I, of all, we're not going out of a way to, to stir the pot. We're making maybe observations that you may think are controversial, but that's your problem, not ours. Yeah, it's funny because I, I listened to our, our previous guest, uh, Busted Open. Dave LaGreca's oh, yeah. and, and Bully Ray stuff. Oh, so they comment guys. on wrestling. They comment yeah. on matches. Who They comment on who they think they should push. Who's more popular. Think that. It's the same thing they deal with. Like, well, I don't understand why you said that match wasn't good. It's a show to describe this stuff and to criticize things and have <laughs> exactly. a fucking opinion. Jesus yep. Christ. Yep. Like, what the fuck? It's you not know- like this guy did a great match and that guy did a good match. Oh, I hope this guy does well, too. And this guy, too. Like, what the fuck? You know what? In, 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 as as I'm, we're talking out loud here, I feel like it's almost 
if you come around, maybe it's a compliment on how different our show is to people. Because I, I don't think any other shows are getting comments like that because they just don't have opinions. Well, for the most one part. way or the for, other. For, it's right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there are other people out there that aren't happy with what happened or bitched about fucking the, the end of the road, the stuff. Right. Look, uh, I'm sure uh, uh, Kiss FAQ wasn't all sunshine and roses about it. I'm sure. And, and even uh, the, uh, Mike and those guys at three, three sides, sides, I think they, a few of them weren't. Well, a few a, uh, like, yeah, and their comments are limited, but to each their own. Right, they, right. That's the way they want to run the show. That's where they run the show. We run our show the way we want to run our show. So right. who cares if you like I, it, then like it. But yeah, and I, th- I think, I think posting a picture, you know, I, I think retweeting a, a kiss post about Peter Chris and making the observation of him without wearing makeup and not calling him the cat man. I, I mean, if that is stirring the pot, then. Then I, and we then don't you, mean to the, pick on the guy either. And the guy says he's, oh, I'm a listener. But yeah, here's no, the no, other the, part to this. Yeah, we're not naming names here. We're just making, yeah, we, it's a story. It's a story. This, okay. This has happened a lot lately. More lately. Or less. Yeah. People, uh, as Tom said, think we're like public employees. Like, well, I have a right to say shit about you and what you're saying. And you have to take it. I'm a listener. Well, you do yourself. And again, and again, and again, no, let's be clear. You, you guys absolutely have, you can say whatever you want, but I feel like it's coming from a place of entitlement. Like I listen, therefore you're going to do it. Oh, we've had a couple things where even Patreon people that, Hey, I'm a Patreon member. So that means this. No, it doesn't mean this. We're fucking no offense. We're not fucking beholden to you because you know, you've helped the show. Then what kind of fucking people are we? Being a Patreon Patreon is, first of all, we love every single one of our patrons, regardless of what tier you're at. You guys are essential to the lifeblood and the growth of this show. But being a patron doesn't buy you a ticket to be part of the show, per se, in terms of, well, I'm a Patreon. I can say that. I can do that. You need to do that because I'm a patron. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. And like well, Zeus said, when people are coming from a place of entitlement, that's when you can go fuck off and go somewhere else. If you're coming from a place of conversation or crit or, or criticism or, uh, you know, whatever. Great. Well, wait a minute. I listened to the show. How dare you respond when I give you a fucking nonsensical fucking comment? You're supposed to just take it and listen. Go fuck yourself. I don't need yeah. to do shit. You don't like what I'm saying. Here's the part. Where you don't have to contribute, right? You tell yep. me you don't like that I make that comment. Great, great. Why aren't you taking that advice and not like what I say? Then not say anything. Right. How's that? Right. But it's only like your opinion needs to be said because we're all dying to hear it. Well, as I've been saying many times to you people, it's go on YouTube, go do what we did, go find out how to create a podcast. And go put your podcast on there and subscribe and say whatever the hell you want to say. Make it Happy Sunshine Podcast. And you can be one of those other 200 KISS podcasts that, you know, fucking bow at the feet of KISS and won't even dare to say anything bad. Okay, go ahead and do that. But Now, that that being said, before we move on to the poll, that being said, 
welcome new listeners. Happy holidays. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But hey, see, this is what I'm saying. We, we, ha- we have to do a Festivus about Festivus. This is going to be the new tradition. Because it's just fucking endless. Yeah. The amount of entitlement, whining, bitching, or fucking, like, bitching that we're saying something negative, or bitching that we're not saying enough negative. Enough negative. Or, or yeah. bitching because we were too positive and not negative enough, or the negativity was directed at the wrong thing, and it should be over here. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. How dare you say it's Gene's fault when you know it's Paul's? How dare you say it's Paul's fault when it's really Gene's? Like, okay. What? Okay. Like you said, go on Amazon, buy a microphone, buy a laptop, yeah. hit record, and tell me how your show works. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go ahead. That's, and that's and put it up did. on social media, and if it's any good, we'll certainly promote you. Yep. That's what we did five years ago. We, Me and Zeus like, fuck it. Let's, we talk about this all the time. Let's fucking do it. Yeah, there's too and many they, fucking kiss footy pajama podcast. We want to fucking just say what we think and want to laugh and have I fun love with the, this. I, I love the avatars. It's so exciting. <laughs> Well, maybe it is exciting, but but if somebody thinks it's stupid and it sucks, then okay. They're not haters. They have an opinion that's different from yours. Dear yeah. God, it's, it's this just, isn't rocket science here. I, I just, I, I can't take the fucking, like, just weasley, wimpy, ooh, why are you saying that? Ooh, ooh, that's, that, that, that's disappointing. Oh, it is disappointing. What do you coach little league baseball? And you're telling the oh, I'm real disappointed in your performance, Johnny. Just okay. I won't listen to you anymore because you, you didn't just take me fucking talking to you in a condescending manner okay. and trying to demean you. And so you responded to that. So now I'm upset and I won't listen to you. Okay. Well, maybe you shouldn't have said what you said. Yeah. Anyways, welcome new listeners. Let's get to the poll. We doing a show? Fuck this! I'm pissed. Let's just uh, end it. No, no, no. We can't. We have. We, I say this all the time, and we laugh about it. It started as a goof, and now it happens all the time. Anytime we have a huge guest, me and you lose our minds, <laughs> and I find and I find myself saying, "Poor Desmond Child." <laughs> yeah, and we were like, before we started, we were saying, "Like, wow, oh, we we can't like, go off. Let's, like, let's back off a little bit, you know, yeah. in, in case Desmond <laughs> listens." See, we can't we can't even abide by our own freaking self-imposed yikes. rules. Yikes, yikes, yikes. All right. So anyway, so the poll was obviously based on Festivus. We picked uh, four of the top grievances that we could come up with. So the four options of the poll were no emotion at the final show, the divide between Ace and Kiss fans, the timing of the avatars, and Kiss apologists and haters. This was interesting because 60% of the polls said that their biggest grievance was no emotion at the final show. Kiss, are you listening? Are you listening? 60% of the people saw that you didn't give a shit during that final show. 20% think the timing of the avatars was pretty bad. And then 10% each with the uh, divide between Ace and Kiss and the apologists and the haters. Those are general things that everybody complains about all the time. Uh, John Gross, the timing of the avatars is my biggest issue. I wasn't expecting anything much from the last concert, except the same show that they've been putting on for the entire end of the road tour. Regular Ron says it bothers me that they didn't show any emotion. 50 years and nothing. Not even a thank you to the crew and their wives, but it doesn't surprise me. 
The more I think about it, the more Tom's view on Paul the last few years, I believe, is true. He wanted this over years ago. This proves it. Uh, the guys from Right Between the Eyes podcast. Now, that's a good kiss podcast that you guys should check out. Great guys, big time fans, not foot rubbers. Uh, very nice guys. Uh, they say Ace running his mouth mid-year shut the door permanently. Neither side can do, quote, for the fans, right. The avatars could have waited to New Year's Eve. Start a countdown clock when the smoke cleared and we would all have been like, oh, shit, what is that? But here's where we are. Yeah, great point. Fred says, honestly, I don't think it's the end of the road. The way it was handled in the absence of Ace, Peter, and Bruce, if they were truly serious about being the end of the road, those three should be there for the final show. I don't know. But I wish that was right, Fred, but I, I think you're way off. Let's get to a couple episode specific tweets here. Uh, our girl, Amber Fiber Magic Queen. Brilliant episode. I could feel the blood pressure rising throat. And as one of your female listeners, I was honored to get a mention. Yes. Pocket Rocket Ride. My blood boils the more I hear about their final show. Just any old day at the office for the boys. Absolutely shameful and disgusting. This one's for you, Paul Stanley. And it's the picture of Paul giving the finger. Nice. Bruce Vicente. Great episode, guys. And then he has a picture of a pizzeria called Caserta Pizzeria. (laughs) I don't know where he found that. Uh, but good stuff. Good stuff there. Now that's what we got from Twitter. Tons of amazing feedback, guys. We love that you guys love these episodes as much as we do. So thanks for being a part of it. But, uh, that's Twitter over on the book of face, the great Tony Musalem. Right. The golden ticket was not given to people who ordered the pay-per-view. It was offered to us at three fifty plus $60 in fees. Yeah. I, that's what we heard. That's uh, right. Yep. The option is there. So Thanis Akrotides. We love them. The Greek Thunder from Down Under. Well covered, boys. The crazy nature of some so-called fans baffles me to this day. These people are the type to buy up stock so no one else can get it, yet cry when they have to pay an extra $5 for a tour shirt. It's been nearly (laughs) two weeks since the last show, and I still don't know how I feel about the ending. I think it's due to having such a great time with friends in New York City, meeting you both. Tom and Zeus, along with John, Gary, Tally, and the other great loudcasters. The frustration of a non-diverse show is forever ingrained in our memory. Bring on the Shout It Out Loudcast Fest so I could come and sing Come On and Love Me with Joey Caserta on drums. Oh, that would Merry be Christmas, all, and Happy New Year. Yeah, Fonus. And kudos to his band Frozen Tears and their single. He's getting some nice radio plays. Been sharing that on their social media. So bravo to him. Yes. Graham Richley. Absolutely genius episode. You and Joey nailed it. I really felt flatter after a kiss event that after a final show due to the lack of thanks, warmth, celebration of people and legacy and all who have contributed over the last 50 years. It was unbelievable. Who throws a farewell party and doesn't make a speech no matter how brief? Which only leads me to one thought. It wasn't the final show. So mm. they can say we could end it like we couldn't end it like that. We need to make things right. But I truly hope not. The horse has bolted. Gene and Paul, you had a chance to say goodbye and thank you. We love you in a sold out venue in New York City. And you misread the room and left us with avatars to appease us. 
Well, it's like ending an amazing album on a dud song. Rant over. Mm, excellent. Excellent points. Brett Roscoe. Wow. Best episode ever. Unfortunately, it's so good because of how much Kiss messed up. <laughs> and I hate them for it compared to what it could have been. Anyways, just an aside, I got a heavy cold and my go to him currently sounds fantastic. <laughs> nice. Go to him. Adam Nirenberg. Uh, he wrote a real long one here. I don't want to get his, like. He goes deep sometimes with his opinions, which I don't yeah. mind. Yeah, no, no. Um, but anyways, I want to read this last part of his say. I have a grievance against many of the loudcasters who don't have a sense of humor. Your lives must be dreadful and lonely. As a joke, I posted the pic below, which was like the Julian Lennon with two other people. Following. Oh, my God. And many of the commenters got it. The rest of you didn't and went downright hostile about it. How do you sleep at night with all the negative weight on you? It's just a pickup. See, I didn't even recognize them. Julian Lennon, Stella McCartney, and Sean Ono Lennon. When I first saw the pick, Sean looked a teeny bit like Ace, and Julian had a pus face, and Stella had blonde hair. TNZ got the joke because they approved the post. But some of you are just humorless morons. Now, Adam, I'll add to that. So because we're the admins of that page, people are able to report posts and comments to us. Someone reported that post and <laughs> yes. and, che- and checked off the reason for the report was that it was false information. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, people. A lot of KISS fans aren't the brightest people in the world. Over on Loudcasters, Josh Brown, I feel the reading of my comment from last week's episodes was your guy's way of saying what we all want to say, especially about overrunning of people that don't get us here. You're right with the overrun of stupidity that got some OG Loudcaster stuff lost in the shuffle, but it's gotten a little bit better the last week. Yeah, it has gotten better. I will admit that. Back to the old loudcasters. This episode is great. I won't spoil it, but these grievances are so on point with everything I felt about the last show. Tom, you hit the nail on the head with Gene's dynamic of not standing up to Paul. Shouted out loudcast Hall of Fame and Joey Caserta is always a pleasure. Also, mm-hmm. my wife is now a fan of the show. So we have six female loudcasters. Oh, nice. All right. Charles, don't call me Mark Eaton. You guys say exactly what most of us are thinking and feeling about the disappointment, disappointment of the end of the road finale (laughs) without the actual celebration of the band's 50 years. Every point was made was spot on. This exemplifies why you guys are the only go-to podcast and the most trustworthy source for non-biased coverage of all things KISS and for the KISS army. Thank you guys for always being in a real world full of fakes. And Tom, do something about that cell service around your shed. It's really <laughs> bumming Ace out. Oh, fantastic, Charles. Thank you. Longtime fan and listener. Appreciate your comments all the time. Thank you. Over on our Instagram page, Tom, Tui Liam. Liam, excuse me. Great episode. Shout it out loudcast in Joey Caserta. 
is like Batman and Superman or Spider-Man and Wolverine. An awesome team up that can never go wrong. Joey was right on the money just about everything, but especially when he pointed the lack of respect for Eric Carr and Bruce Kulick. I can understand snubbing Ace and Peter, even though I don't like it, because there's definitely bad blood. But Eric, especially Bruce, gave their all for the band. And when Bruce got the boot in 95, 96 for Ace, he never once acted like a sore loser about it and continues to wave the kiss flag to this day. The lack of respect was a guy was just never stopping fearing me. And Eric Carr pretty much saved the band. So that's another snub that doesn't sit well with me. I've never seen another band more committed to trolling their own fans, which is ironic for all they grandstand about they listening to us. On the other hand, Metallica's final show will probably be a spectacle. That is a band who listens. Excellent point. Great comments. Over on our YouTube page, Ken Woodbury says, no problem, Anton. Fucking hilarious. Almost spit <laughs> out my beer. <laughs> Pretty boy Floyd MS. Oh, God. I have watched Joey Caserta's videos. He is funny as fuck. How can you not like him? Easy. We know him. Talk to him for a couple minutes. You'll find out. <laughs> oh, I got to address this. Uh, our, uh, Kiss Remasters film says, great episode, guys. And then later on, he writes, too many commercial breaks, lads. Dude, it's YouTube. We have no fucking control over that. Yeah, that's you. That's a YouTube thing. Yes, I have nothing to do with it. So don't yell at us. All right. That's what I got, Tom. Over to you. All right, let's blow through a couple emails here. We got one from uh, Hall of Famer Murph. Uh, While the focus of the episode was on the airing of the grievances, kudos to Tom and Zeus on demonstrating their feats of strength by carrying Joey through (laughs) another guest appearance. Yes. That's Hall of Famer on Hall of Famer violence right there, Murph. Wow. We got a great one here from Ron Angelo Santo. And it's titled, You Must Be Out of Your Goddamn Mind. <laughs> Half a pound, Joe Lewis is the greatest fighter ever lived. He better than Sugar Ray. He better than Cassius Clay. He better than that. Ooh, who that new boy? Look like a bulldog. Mike Tyson. <laughs> hey, guys, as a lifelong fellow Kiss fan, I share many of the same likes as the two of you. Like Tom, my first Kiss concert was seeing them on the Hot in the Shade tour. Like Zeus, my favorite album is Rock and Roll Over. Like both of you, I'm a huge fan of the Jerky Boys, Godfather, and Coming to America. I still quote all of these on a daily basis as I have throughout my life. And my wife has learned to hate all of these things. (laughs) I started listening to shout out loudcast earlier this year after a friend of mine, fellow loudcaster, Mike throne recommended you since then I've been hooked. In fact, my first episode was the recent hall of fame inductee episode two thirty with Bruce Kulik. What a way to start my shout out loudcast journey. Since then, I've listened to every new episode as it's been released, as well as having gone back, starting with episode one and making my way forward. Thanks for the great work that you guys do every week. Jesus Christ, Mike. I mean, Tom and Zeus, keep <laughs> on doing what you're doing. You guys rock. Yeah, Ron. That Love that. So fucking cool. Excellent. Uh, we got one here from Rod Gomond. What would have been great, and I heard this somewhere else, is for Kiss to have opened the final show with J.R. Smalling's intro from Alive. Also, I think you guys were wondering who the guy was doing the pre-concert interviews on Paul's stage. I only know because I'm a big Don Imus fan, and he was a junior-type producer for him when they simulcasted his show on Fox Business. 
His name is Mike Gunzelman. <laughs> guns. <laughs> you, oh, hey, guns. Hey, guns. You guys are the best rod. Well, thank you for sharing that. We appreciate that. Uh, we got a great email from our buddy, Wes Beach. Wes, we love you, buddy. Uh, break up break up the emails into paragraphs. I, we, we, we love reading your emails, but our attention span is not what you would call sophisticated. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I look at it. It's like it, and it, it, could it be gets overwhelming. With, yeah, it could be filled with the greatest comments of all time. But I look at it. I'm like. Oh man, that looks like work. <laughs> read that. We love you, Wes. Uh, here's one from recently minted Hall of Famer Gary Cap. Oh, this could have this could have arguably been the best episode ever. Literally every grievance you guys had, I agree with 100. percent But as a fellow curmudgeon, I must pile <laughs> on to one topic: the shit I witnessed in New York as far as the holders go. Those people are garbage. I'm not naming names. But I was standing next to a guy who literally grabbed half of the New York City Day 2 paper and took them. Then at Madison Square Garden, a guy in front of me bought two boxes of programs. These people are shit, and I don't consider them true Kiss fans. The agenda for a true Kiss fan that weekend was, guess what? No agenda. Go there and meet people. Hang out and have a good time and then go to the shows. Those scumbags that had an agenda were there to subsidize their incomes by buying merch and reselling it at jacked up prices. That was their priority, not everything else. Not true fans as far as I'm concerned. Kiss Online making most of their New York City exclusive merch available now may have ruined the exclusivity of the stuff, but it's screw the assholes that are selling it on eBay. If I never see these people again, I will be a happy man. Hall of Famer, angry airline, Gary Cap. Gary, we love you. You'll never be a happy man as long as you're a Kiss fan. So don't lie to us. <laughs> Gary is the fucking best. We absolutely love Gary. And Tom, before we get to the comment of the week, I just want to give a quick shout out. All right. And that goes to Reagan and Sydney White. Uh, they are family members of the great Alex White. And he asked if we, we could give them a shout out and a huge thank you and love and uh, for helping him out on his trip to Vegas. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, so A.J. White, Alex White, uh, you are the best. We love talking with you and meeting you with you at the uh, Winery Dogs Festive uh, uh, concert. And yep. you've been awesome uh, Patreon member and good friend of the show. So, of course, we are going to happily give a shout out to Reagan and Sydney and thank them from you. And uh, tell them how much you love them for sending you to Vegas. Awesome. Love it. And we're going to wrap up feedback with a big comment here from a new listener in Norway. And forgive me if I butcher this, but I'm going to try. His name is Steingrim Stegane. That could be or Steg that could be wrong. I'm sorry, Steingrim. We love you, buddy, but I'm sorry. So th this is a great message. We've been sitting on this one for a couple of weeks, so we'll get into it now. I just wanted to express my gratitude for reigniting my passion as a Kiss fan. My journey with Kiss began in the second grade when I first heard Dynasty on a bootleg cassette at a friend's house. It had decent quality, and it included God of Thunder and two other tracks I can't recall. But it was this moment that kickstarted everything for me. My father bought me Creatures of the Night in 82, and from then on, it was Kiss forever, up until Asylum, when I transitioned to Metallica and Motorhead. Sorry, guys. 
I must say your podcast is the best among all music podcasts I've come across. It's genuinely entertaining. A particular episode that stood out to me was when Zeus picked Good Girl Gone Bad as a favorite from Crazy Nights. It was then I knew you guys were the real deal. I've seen Kiss several times with the best show for me being in Oslo, Norway in 96. However, Kiss has become more of a nostalgic act for me over time. Tragically, three years ago, my brother, born in 1982, passed away in a car accident. He became a Kiss fan and a musician because of me, his older brother by nine years. Going through his record collection after his passing made me listen to Kiss more than ever before. The last Kiss concert in Europe, which I attended in Tonsberg, Norway, with my two daughters aged 11 and 13, was an incredibly emotional experience. Filled with memories of my brother and the joy my daughters felt experienced the band for the first time. Your podcast spreads joy, and I hope you continue, even if the avatars get a bit silly. Sorry for the unstructured storytelling, but this is the first post I've actually ever written to anyone. And as a side note, in Germany 99, Kiss was prohibited from using Pyro by a stadium manager. Paul was a badass, and they set off everything at once during the last song. Also, I think they're still banned in Bremen. I share a link to a song my dear departed brother wrote and performed. Keep up the great work, guys. You have the talent and dynamics to make this bigger no matter the theme. And on a lighter note, I once had a one-night stand with a woman who had dinner with Paul Stanley after a concert in 98. I thought she was lying, but she had an empty wine bottle signed by Gene after the dinner and a Polaroid from the restaurant in Oslo. Plus, she shared a couple of details that still make me smile. And I've been to Boston, great city to be in as a beer-drinking Norseman. Best regards. Steingrim Stegain. Okay, first of all, incredible story. Personal stories that you guys share is incredible to us. And condolences on the loss of your brother. And thank you for the kudos that you give us. We appreciate that. This is just one of the most incredible messages we've ever gotten. And we appreciate it. And thank you for your time and putting all that together. And Steingrim, my friend, you are absolutely our comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. (laughs) That was awesome. Thank you so much for that. And Tom, we got to continue to thank our Patreon family. Yep. A prime example of how much you guys have helped us. We have Desmond Child on with us this week. I don't think we get to this point without the help that we've received from Patreon over the past few years. Yep. They have been so instrumental of our in our growth and helped us in so many ways. And if you out there listen, you want to help the show continue to grow, please join our Patreon family. Uh, we have a, a bunch of stuff that we offer you guys, whether it be merch, whether it be involvement, polls, all sorts of stuff. And coming up soon, we have uh, a special gift that we'll be giving, uh, and that will be uh, we'll be unre- uh, unleashing that on the demon tier coming up. Yep. yep. And we have our demon tier chat, which should be coming soon. We'll and, keep you posted uh, on that. And this is something special. Yeah. And so we're we're all excited. Everybody that's interested in helping out the show should check out Patreon. It's right on our website, shoutitoutloudcast.com. You'll see the Patreon uh, link there. You click on it right on the landing page, or you go to patreon.com or Patreon the app. You look for Shout It Out Loudcast. 
and you'll find us. There's four different tiers. So find one that fits your needs and come and help the show and be part of the Patreon family. Thank you guys. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to our Patreon family. We love you. Absolutely. We say this every week and it never gets old because it means so much to us for you guys to be part of this family. Regardless of what tier you're on, your contributions and your support are exactly what Zeus says. As the show grows, the Patreon family grows and vice versa. The growth of the Patreon family helps the growth of the show. And we like to give back by offering some special things, sneak peeks about the episode on Thursday, involvement in picking what our flashback Friday is, uh, rotating the picks on the album review crew and giving uh, our Patreons a, a chance to pick an album and so much more. And it's going to continue to get better and grow. We're almost into 2024 and we got a lot of fun things coming up. So please check us out. Patreon.com. Go to our website, click on the link or download the app. And thank you very much. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of our patrons and soon to be patrons as well. Yeah. Tom, what we do next is we go over to kiss world. One of the things I want to say right off the top, and we already mentioned it a little bit earlier. It's the Catman's birthday. Bruce mm-hmm. just celebrated a birthday. So happy birthday to those two. We love them. Bruce has been an unbelievable friend to the show. And Peter Chris is my favorite member of Kiss. I love the Catman. I love the way he's so passionate about the Kiss fans. And his, I love his amazing, amazing personality because he yeah. is a passionate motherfucker. And he loves the Kiss Army, really. And uh, happy uh, birthday, Peter. We wish you the best. Absolutely. We love the cat, man. Uh, so news this week. Um, after the end of the road show in New York City, Gene had that event uh, that he was doing at the Electric Lady Studios. You know, it was similar to our Vegas event that we went to in May, you know, a Gene Simmons experience thing. Uh, and he was talking about the avatars. And he asked somebody at the event, how do those avatars look when you first saw them? They're going to get better. All that animated stuff. Gene says there is so much being planned, even beyond my comprehension. And they're spending about $200 million to take it to the next level. Gene, that's great. Put that $200 million towards who's ever in charge of shipping at (laughs) kissonline.com. Can you do that? Maybe take $1 million and put that towards the people in charge of that. Or or $40,000 and hire somebody there to be like a manager of like the shipping department. Because we we don't need $200 million Fortnite characters of the Star Child. God damn it. Come on. Did you notice that? People are like, oh, yeah, Kiss is going to put to it. He didn't say we are. He said the ex- they are. Exactly. They're going to do it. Fuck that. That ain't my money. I'll give uh, Caserta credit. He's always said this. Kiss ain't spending a dime of their money. They want people to come to them and spend their money. And they- and Kiss will approve their project about Kiss. Kiss ain't fucking doing anything. So it's they're going to be doing this. So we'll see what happens there. Tom, but can I stay on that Gene Simmons theme? Please do, because there's more news. Yeah, so Christina, uh, who runs a lot of Gene's events and the auction stuff, uh, put a post out, okay? I guess somebody's saying Gene's band's playing South America in 2024. It's like, it's It's not true. It's it's probably, hold on, hold on. It's probably one of those avatars that people posting that I'm sorry. I think they're the AI thing. I think they're funny. Somebody just posted a Paul Stanley one wishing Peter crit. People are getting like all upset. This is stupid. This is so unfunny. Guess what? 
go somewhere else because I think it's stupid and funny. I'm laughing yeah. at it because it's dumb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's funny because she writes, though, which is interesting. While Gene is planning future performances for the GSB band, oh. nothing has been announced. So there you have it. It's official. Gene will go out with his band and tour and play music. I'll be honest with you. I would rather see that than the end of the road uh, 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 tour. Uh, another one of their fucking concerts. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. G- Gene Simmons band is incredible. Yes. Yes. What? Yes. 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 And that's what we have. And so, uh, before we bring on the great Desmond, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, Ace has a question for uh, Desmond. Hey, Desmond, I heard you got some pretty good songwriting chops. Did you ever write Genghis Khan or Bronx Boy? Heh, I don't think so. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back. Um, somebody had to pull Ace over to the side because he was confused at who our guest was. He thought this was, he didn't realize that this was the guy who wrote I Was Made for Loving You in Bon Jovi songs. He's like, yeah, I, I know it's not the guy that wrote 10,000 volts. Who's that guy? The Ace, that's you. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> sorry. Okay, good job. I thought it was the guy with the hat. 
That Caserta guy's pretty good too. Oh, Tom. I mean, seriously, is there anybody bigger that we've ever had on this show than the incredible Desmond Child? Amazing. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a 15 minutes, 20 minute interview he gave us. Desmond uh, loves to talk and we love to hear him talk. This went on and we could have went on longer. It's over an hour. Uh, all sorts of subjects, but mostly Kiss, Paul Stanley, funny Gene stories. There's plenty of stuff that you're going to like. So without further ado, Desmond Child. This week on Shout It Out Loudcast, we are honored to have a legendary songwriter in our presence. He is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He is a co-founder of the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame, and he has worked with legendary artists such as Cher, Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, Ricky Martin, Kelly Clarkson, Rat, Alice Cooper, and yes, of course, Kiss, which we're going to talk to him about as well as his amazing new book, Living on a Prayer, Big Songs, Big Life. We are honored to have the great Desmond Child. Welcome to the show, Desmond. Thank you. You mean this little thing? Yes, yes. That beautiful book. <laughs> that, that way, everybody's holding. Everybody's holding it up. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. This will be a good, nice little screenshot there. Yes. Um, it is a incredible book, and uh, this, you know, take away your kiss connections. I would find this book so fascinating your oh, yeah. your your life never mind your music just reading it it's like a movie should be made about your background growing up the family in in all the struggles in in cuba then you're in then you're in uh la then you're in miami and you're all over the place and you've got this somehow fortitude to get yourself up and become this amazing musician slash songwriter slash producer slash man of all jack of all trades it's an incredible story and uh i i do want to get into this but you know how kiss fans are we're pretty fanatic they got to talk about kiss stuff right off the bat so um this book has a foreword by the one and only paul stanley tell us a little bit about paul and your relationship and uh how it got started Paul Stanley was walking down the streets of of um, the East Village, and he could walk anywhere he wanted to because at that point nobody knew what he looked like. Mm-hmm. So he was always incognito, and uh, he could live a normal life, and then he could be, you know, the star child. And um, he saw our poster everywhere because we were, you know, up in the middle of the night putting our posters on top of everybody else's posters. <laughs> we didn't know the Irish mafia could actually have you murdered for because <laughs> they owned all the construction walls, right? That's right. Yep. And they rented out the space for the poster. We didn't know that. We just said, <laughs> you know, let's put it up here. Boom. And so uh, we were everywhere. And it was a picture of me with these three gorgeous women, Maria Vidal, Diana Grisselli, and Miriam Valley, and we had formed a a singing band. Um, I can't even call it singing group because we were really, you know, we had musicians and all that. And it was called Desmond Child and Rouge. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to be playing at a little place called Tracks 
And it was a, this underground club, T-R-A-X, on West 72nd Street. And um, it was very chic, actually, and very streamlined. And, uh, you know, they had this small stage. And Paul came to see us. He was curious. And so before we went on, um, he stuck his head out, I mean, in from, you know, the curtain. That's where our dressing room was at the at the end of the stage, there was a curtain. That was our dressing room. So mm-hmm. you go from like there to like right on the stage. <laughs> and so he like pulled the curtain back and he said, hey, I'm uh, Paul Stanley of Kiss. And we like looked at him like, uh, yeah, really? <laughs> and he said, I just uh, I just want to let you guys know that sitting at the front table is George Harrison of the Beatles. Oh, and I, I swear to God, I, I I poked my head out, and there he was, you know, this, you know, all those big white teeth and everything, and it was like wow. And so I had this narcolepsy kind of attack. It's like, oh, can, can I just take a a little nap, like just like right now, because I was so nervous, I just wanted to sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but somehow, like we hit the stage and we killed it. That's so, awesome. Um, then Paul came back back afterward, and he said, "You know, um, you guys are great." Uh, you know, and he said to me, oh, "We should try writing a song together." And so mm. I said, "Okay." Um, we were making our first album yep. uh, at the time on on Capitol Records, and we still didn't have all the songs. I said, "Well, why don't you write a song with me, and then I'll write us uh, for Desmond Child and Rouge, and then I'll write a song with you." For your group. And it was like, he looked at me like, oh, you don't know Gene, right? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we we found out about all everything later. Oh, yeah. And so um, that's how it went down. He, I had started a song with David Landau, John Landau's brother. You know, John oh, Landau. Wow. Yeah. Was mm-hmm. Spring, Spring yeah, Springsteen's mentor, guy. Mentor, producer, manager, everything. And um, then... Um, it was, this is how it happened. Um, we wrote a song called the fight and it went on to Desmond Chalon Rouge's first record in 1978. I mean, Mm -hmm. we were making records and they were out on the street, like really fast. Yep. And, um, then Paul said, okay, all right, now it's your turn. So I met him at SIR and he told me to get there when they took their lunch break. And so I got there. I mean, I was waiting outside and I just walked in right on, you know, exactly on time. And those guys just like were beelining for the, you know, to get out for their lunch break. And, you know, I was walking in and they were like bumping me as, you know, <laughs> you know as, as they were, as they would tough guys that they were with the big shoulders and everything. And I went into the, the rehearsal room and there was Paul and there was a grand piano not unlike this one, a Steinway oh, nine foot grand. Wow. Beautiful. And um, exactly like that. And it had a big canvas cover on it because, you know, Kiss had no use for a piano on stage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we pulled the cover back and we sat together uh, side by side at the piano and we started writing this song called I Was Made for Loving You. Mm. And so, you know, we were talking and, you know, he really loved you know, Desmond Chalet Rouge, because we had a kind of Motown um, 
sound to to the rock music that we were making. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we said, okay, well, let's do something, you know, you know, with a like a Motown beat, like a real like four on the floor Motown beat and put heavy rock guitars to it. And so at that moment, we kind of, you know, changed the course of popular music. Mm-hmm. We didn't know it, but the fact is that they created something that no one had ever tried before. Because before there was what they called the disco era and really what it was was soul music. Yeah. You know, and then they were kind of like, it was a lot of Marvin Gaye and all that kind of stuff. And then they started, you know, putting it more to like danceable beats Mm -hmm. and that's what became disco. But it was really, you know, very, very R and B oriented. And, uh, you know, of course, that was the era of, you know, that's the way, uh huh, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I like, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I was made for loving you was different because it had this grand, you know, like uh, operatic beginning, you know, tonight I will give it all to you. You know, it was like um, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was, it was, it was not, you know, like, I'm, you know, shake your boot and, you know, <laughs> yeah. that right, at right, all, right. at all. Right. In fact, it was so much more akin to Motown, which Paul had always been a fan of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. and so, you know, you listen to, I was made for loving you, baby, standing in the shadow mm-hmm. of love. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. We were yeah. like going down that lane and, you know, I was as surprised as everyone else that, you know, suddenly it was coming out of speakers everywhere, everywhere yep. I go in a cab. And, you know, it was a hit. Yes. And, um, you know, that was the um, that was the birth of 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 what has become Kiss's biggest international global hit to this day. Yeah. Yep. A song that gets licensed like every five minutes for so many things, so many usages. So it means it's a real classic, you know, real standard, American standard, you know, that the world can't live without. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's true. We were talking about Greece earlier. I don't hear rock and roll all night as much. I will hear any club or place I go to in Greece will play. I was made for loving you. You'll hear it constantly Mm -hmm. and you're so right about that overseas it's their biggest international hit but i was curious if you ever heard gene tell the story about the song where he tells it more recently oh yeah i like this paul i like this where this is going what do i do and he started doing the do 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 and that's (laughs) what he was saying he's not a fan of the song which i'm like i'm sure those checks you got for that song made you happy gene right right well I went to their final show at Madison Square Garden a couple of weeks ago. We were there as well. We I almost caught you there. Yeah. I know. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I, I went up and was on the remote stage, you know, on the couch, mm-hmm. you know, talking and everything. Yep. And, um, you know, I noticed one thing, which is when Paul went to do I Was Made for Loving You, he went up and was like flew across the audience to the remote stage. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, Gene can't even be on the same stage. <laughs> that song is that's perfect. That's I didn't even <laughs> think of that. Yeah, I know. Didn't you even think of that. It. Yeah. Yep. That's so but true. you know, at one point they made this album, you know, I was like killing it. 
with yep. Bon Jovi and Aerosmith and you know Alice Cooper and all that. Yeah. They they made an album kind of going against the tide, uh, the the tide of let's try writing a hit with Desmond Child, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they um, even though they were first, and Paul Stanley is my mentor and and all that, and we had Heavens on Fire and all that, and um, he they decided to make an album called The Elder. Oh yes, we know all about with it. Bob oh, Ezrin, yeah. who mm-hmm. I didn't know, but has become one of my closest you know, mentors and closest friends. Wow. And Mm -hmm. uh, he's, uh, you know, like Uncle Bob to our, you know, my husband and I have twin sons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 21, but he, him and Jan, his wife moved in with us for, for, for a while while they were looking for a house in Nashville. And he gave them their first electric guitars. Isn't that cute? Oh, very cool. Awesome. Bob Ezrin. Wow. I love Bob Ezrin. But anyway, they made this record called The Elder. Then when they went to uh, promote it, they went all over the world. And Gene's own, you know, going off on, you know, like how he hated, you know, I I was made for loving you, still ranting about that. (laughs) And, um, you know, I'm sure Paul was like rolling his his eyes uh but then he went off on this thing saying well you know when we made the when we uh made the elder we had to put two guards at the front of the studio doors to keep desmond child out <laughs> yeah that, how did and that work out like in like a hundred interviews yeah. yeah it was all coming to me like jesus look at what gene said and so i called up paul i was really like in you know practically in tears yeah and said why would he slag somebody that put money in his pocket? Mm. He has so many detractors. Yeah. Why doesn't he go after them instead of a friend of the family? Oh, well, you know, Gene, I can't control <laughs> what Gene said. You know, yep. I, you know, I can't control Gene. So I get home and there's a call on my answering machine. That was when we had answering machines. And, you know, it only had four words. And it went like this. Hi, it's Gene. Sorry. Click. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I think that's the only apology he ever gave anyone in his entire life. Yeah, you might be right. (laughs) He's not in the apology business. No, absolutely not. And so, you know, I have another very cute story. Sure. Um, Many years later. I was at the uh, fountain at the, you know, it's the little diner that they have in the basement of the Beverly Hills Hotel. There was no one there. You know, it was all these empty stools. And it's just, you know, a counter, this wavy counter with these cool, you know, beautiful people that have been there like for forever. And um, I came, I had the New York Times and, you know, it was kind of early. And so I went there and I was reading the paper and all of a sudden, I felt this funny feeling <laughs> around my hips. And all of a sudden, I felt these hands grabbing my ass. And I I was looking, I didn't understand what was going on. And that, all of a sudden, I looked down, it was Gene. <laughs> he had seen me, crawled on his hands and knees all the way to the middle of the fountain to get underneath the stool so he could do that. Right. Oh my God. And so, that is... and so, you know, um, you know, I, 
I, I just love that. It was just hilarious. And then we sat and we talked and he was just like very warm and um, actually, you know, gave me the name of his, his attorney, uh, Bob Lang, who, who mm-hmm. stayed my attorney and he's, you know, I, and then because of that, I made, I met Leslie Greif, who was the producer of family jewels, who now mm-hmm. is a partner with me uh, managing and, and publishing Drake Milligan, the country artist. So oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All these like amazing things. Yeah. Happened because Gene grabbed my ass. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny, though. It brings us to your book. Yeah. There are so many people in stories that intertwine. Mm. And if this didn't happen, although it might have been bad, it made this happen and that happened. I had just finished earlier the chapter about how you reconnected with your husband and like, but if this didn't happen that didn't happen then you guys wouldn't have gotten back together and then none of them would have happened you wouldn't have your children you wouldn't have and you're like it makes all sense it's fine and and that's how and it's a great story because i can't tell you how many people in this book and story eventually like all these wonderful artists and stuff are going in and out of your life and you're meeting all and then you think about your humble beginnings and how you got there it goes to your drive, motivation, and talent. It's it's something that really should inspire anybody. And I know I'm getting a little off track from the Kiss stuff, but seriously, pick up the book. Without the Kiss stuff, you don't need it. It's inspiring, really. I always say that Paul Stanley taught me how to write stadium anthems the Kiss way, and yeah. and th- there are rules. The protagonist the lead singer his mm-hmm. story he can never be the victim he yes always be the winner yep you know and so the music has to uplift with that at all times and when it, the chorus is hit you just want to just rise up and put your fist in the air right mm-hmm. so when i went to co-write with uh, John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora, and of course later with Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, and with Alice Cooper and Joan Jett. I brought all of that know-how that Paul Stanley gave me, and you know I just owe him everything because he was also generous enough to share my number with John Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah, what a connection right. there. Yep. Bon Jovi was one of the acts uh, opening for Kiss on tour in Europe, Mm -hmm. and they made friends. And, uh, you know, Paul said, you know what, this band needs needs a hit. And so he said, hey, why don't you guys try writing with Desmond Child? And so I didn't know, unbeknownst to me, except for like recently, That they wrote with me, not just not to write for Bon Jovi, but because they thought that I could get them a pop cut Mm -hmm. and, you know, bring money to the band. Yeah. You know, funding their touring and all of that. And so the thing is that I went to uh, go and see them and I met them because Paul had, you know, given him my number and I went to New Jersey to write at this little wooden house that was at the end of this cul-de-sac behind it was like the marshes, you know, that were in Godfather one. 
Menza <laughs> said, you know, yeah, leave uh, leave, leave the gun, to take the canola. Leave the keys, take the canola. Yeah. Right. And in the distance, you saw the Statue of Liberty kind of yep. like in the, the end of it, right? Yes. That's exactly what this looked like. <laughs> this like gray marsh, like the most toxic world. Ever. Yep. It was like an oil refinery, you know, in the distance as well. And so um went into this little house, and that's where Richie Sambora still lived with his parents. That's oh, wow. funny. You know, I walked in and I made that left and his 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 um, room was actually on the right there on the ground floor. And I looked in and there was a big kiss poster. There was ACDC and a, a big poster of Farrah Fawcett in the one piece. red. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. We yes. all know that. Yeah. Yep. And so I walk in and then I see, you know. John, for the first time, you know, the golden locks and, you know, the the ripped jeans and the jewelry and, you know, all this. And he was on this avocado green wall phone, you know, (laughs) on the phone, you know, like talking very intensely. You know, he kind of like went like this, you know, and he's talking to Doc McGee, his manager. Mm -hmm. So then Richie led me down these kind of, you know. Uh, it was like Silence of the Lambs kind of staircase <laughs> down to this dark, damp, uh, <laughs> dimly lit basement. Like, you know, yeah, you wouldn't want to end up. <laughs> and um, all there were was some very like muddy trans, trans and is that what they call it? trans and windows? transom? Yeah, transom so. windows, yeah. you know, and uh, there was um, a formica table and this kind of rickety little you know keyboard and um there was some little amps buzzing and a a space heater buzzing so it's like it was going on (laughs) and uh the the washer and dryer were there and um i you know i was like down there waiting for a while because you know john was still on the phone with doc whatever and richie kept coming downstairs and he goes you cool? Are you are you okay? You know, he brought me a glass of water. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Finally, John came down the stairs, and um, you know, he was like, you know, a little bit. You know how he, in those days he was, you know, very, you know, Richie was like the people pleaser. John was kind of like quiet and all this, and uh, wasn't even five minutes. I pulled out a little piece of paper from my back pocket. Cause I love going into a writing session with a title to start with Yeah, a fetching title. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the piece of paper said, you give love a bad name. Mm. I said it and John looked at me and his face lit up and like he smiled. I, I, I don't think I ever saw that many teeth ever in my <laughs> life. And I said, okay, that guy's a star. Yeah. So, then he threw down, shot through the heart, because mm-hmm. he had a. Um, it's on his debut album, yeah, on the debut album, album. Yep. called "Shot Through the Heart." Yep. And you know, and I had a uh, this this other song that I'd solely written for Bonnie Tyler that Jim Steinman produced called "If You Were a Woman and I Was a Man." I know and it well. It's great, but, but it was a stiff. But it, you know, it was like it opens up a cappella, and then it has a dun 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 dun, dun <laughs> right? And then you know this, um, you know this chorus that um, you know I just knew it was a hit, right? Mm. And so I said, why don't we, why don't we do something around this? 
You know, I had the song with Bonnie Tyler, but it was a stiff and didn't didn't sell. Nobody gave a fuck. And so I um, threw it in there. And before you, you knew it, we had shot through the heart. And mm-hmm. you're to blame, darling. You give love a bad name. And the when as soon as the three of us sang that, it was our first three fist in the air, you know, this this bump in the air. Yep. And we never looked back. So yeah. I owe all of that to Paul Stanley of Kiss. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you it's something funny though about that. Bon Jovi was my band along with Kiss. And I knew those albums before, the first two. And that summer, I go to Greece. When I come back, my band, Bon Jovi, released a song that all of a sudden became so big that everybody knew Bon Jovi. And I I was getting pissed. I was like, that's my band. You guys didn't like them like I did. And that title in the way that song went, I should have known. But I was like in uh, middle school then. Why do I like this music? Why do I like Kiss's music? Later on, a couple years later, why do I like a sheer song? Why am I buying a sheer album and I like it? The one connecting factor was you and I had no idea. But it's that chorus in those words, in the verses. It just worked. I tell Tom, I tell this, our show for years, I've been saying, if I had to bet my life, someone had to write a song and a hook that I would like, I would bet it on Paul Stanley. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that comes because the similarities of you guys both know how to do a, a, a hook and a chorus like nobody else. All these things, I had no idea the connecting factor was you. And here I am now, all these years later, talking to you. So it's a big honor for me. I'm sorry, Tom, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, and even, even before uh, an anthem like You Give Love a Bad Name or Living on a Prayer is the title of your book, you wrote with Paul one of their most anthemic, if not the anthemic song of the 80s, which is Heaven's on Fire. Oh. I mean, tell us a little bit about that, because to this day, I mean, even even people who might not be fans of Kiss know that song, love the song, know the chorus, sing along with the chorus, and you can see, you know, the breadcrumbs that connect Heaven's on Fire to Living on a Prayer. And and again, you're the, you and Paul is that connecting thread. Yes. Well, I think Heaven's on Fire came before I met Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and it had that, you know, feel my heat making you high, burn mm-hmm. with me, Heaven's on Fire, right? Yep. And so <clears throat> one of the things I had learned from one of my other mentors, Bob Crew, who had uh, written and co-produced with Bob Gaudio all the songs for the Jersey Boys, Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not Jersey Boys. There were four seasons. Like four seasons. The Jersey Boys was the musical. Yes, about the about the four seasons. And so I spent a couple of years writing with with Bob Crew, and he taught me to write titles that have tension of opposites. So, ah, so I get it. Yes, you, you give love a bad name. Heavens on fire. You know, um, wow. you love me to hate you. <laughs> I hate I hate myself nice. for loving you. Yep. Um, how can we be lovers if we can't be friends? Interesting. Uh, I mean, so it seems like those kinds of titles write themselves. Yep. You know, when you have something so solid, it tells the whole story. Dude looks like a lady. 
Mm. Lady. So yep. I, I just told my my secret of success. Interesting. Yeah, I guess you did. <laughs> Y'all are listening to that. And I hope I don't find it too difficult with all the competition that's now going to hit the market. Yeah, I think it's a little more than that, though, Jasmine. I think you have a little more talent than that. No, but that that really uh, tells the story of art. Yeah. Because even if you have a painted black square canvas on the wall, that has tension of opposites. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be a white wall behind it. And so one end of the canvas is opposing the other end of the canvas as they wrap around and then hit the white wall, black, white. Mm. So even in the simplest terms, what makes art interesting is this tension of opposites and sometimes a symmetry, you know, that makes things interesting, not Mm -hmm. just that are kind of like square. Yeah, yeah perfectly done that's why like in living on a prayer um when we had written it uh they had done a demo of it and i wasn't there when they did the demo but right before the last modulated chorus there was like a whole like measure of like a drum fill there, right? and i i said you know what you know Fuck that drum fill. <laughs> we, we live for the fight when that's all that we got. Oh, there you that go. That measure is, a, is, is, is like a bar of three. Mm-hmm. It's not four like the rest of the song. We cut off a beat and we go live for the fight when that's one, two, three, four is the downbeat. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. That asymmetry is the secret magic, you know, like, yeah, propulsion of that song. There's not one human being on earth that when it reaches that modulation doesn't jump up and put their fist in the air. I guarantee it. Well, Desmond, I could tell you right now that song right there. I, I went to a wedding years back on Martha's Vineyard. Okay. And it was late night. We're at the reception. Everybody was feeling good, had some cocktails. The DJ played Living on a Prayer. And that exact moment that you just referenced, when that kit, the entire dance floor was vibrating with everybody fist pumping that chorus. And now, and and now, as Zoo said, to sit here and talk to you about the construction of that song, and it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible to hear, to hear these little, these little things that make those songs how special they are. And just to show you, I coach uh, high school hockey mm-hmm. oh, this Sunday. No lie. They played at the rink when they, when the, there's a stoppage in play, they'll play music in between in a three song interval. It's almost like there's no way they played living La Vida Loca. Dude looks like a lady and living on a prayer. In a row <laughs> at a hockey rink in Massachusetts. Yep. Well, that's how it is in the cabs in, in Athens, Greece. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm <laughs> yeah. sitting there like, and I hear one song after the other, mine, like four or five in a row. Yeah. And I'm saying to him, that's my song. That's my song. <laughs> like the guy's looking at me like, yeah, yeah, get a life. Like, yeah. Well, I'm sure he threw the Malacca word in there. Yeah, yeah, Malacca. Okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, and, and it's so- amazing. It's amazing because they do it too. For the Boston Bruins season to the playoffs, they stop the music 
right when the puck drops and the crowd continues the song. Yeah. So you can hear it when you, if you watch the game on TV, you're like, the game's on. Why is there? You, it's the crowd singing Living on a Prayer going throughout. Not many songs in the world you can do that to. That's so great. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. There are also like touching moments with that song. Um, we got a letter from a guy that said he was getting ready to, you know, kill himself. So he oh. drives, he's like, you know, a little bit tipsy or whatever. He drives to the to the bridge, jumps out of the car, leaves like doors open, windows open, the radio's still blasting, and he goes up to the rail and he's like leaning forward to like jump off and living on a prayer comes on. And that's his favorite song. So wow. he goes, Oh, wow, wow, that's my favorite song. So I want to listen to that as my final song. So he goes back, gets in the car. When it got to the modulation, he drove home. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And he said, uh, you know, it's like Bon Jovi saves lives. Yeah, I guess so. Wow. And so many letters of people that yeah. said it, that song got me through, you know, so many hard times. I, you know, my kid had, you know, cancer. And that Jeez. was the only song he would listen to. And he lived. And, you know, like. It's like there should be like a cathedral to that song, right? Yeah, amazing. You know, Ouch. where people can come and get like just it just plays on a loop and they get healed from everything. <laughs> it's a good idea. You True. Know, they, they jump out of their like wheelchairs and stuff and throw their <laughs> like crutches off, right? Oh it's my true. god! Now true. another but song. No, that one probably... more. One more. It's great. Oh, story. Go ahead. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, please. Uh, during COVID, uh, somehow, some way. Everybody in Chicago decided they were all going to get together. They were all so sick of being stuck in their apartments and all of that. They they all flung their, their windows open at an appointed time, and they all sang Living on a Prayer. Yes. Oh, I, yeah. I think I city, saw that. Yes. Yep. The yes. whole city was singing it. Amazing. And so, you know, that, that, that makes you feel good. It's like, okay, sure. well, you know, I guess I made a difference. Oh, you Absolute, did more than absolutely. that. Absolutely. You did more than that. But I was going to say, you know, another song that probably can inspire that much love is the song You Make Me Rock Hard, huh? <laughs> okay, let me tell you the story about that. I, 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 I've been waiting for this. Go ahead. Okay, Please do. So I had, you know, I had just, you know, loved so much Diane Warren. You know, she became a great pal. And, you know, we were all, we were coming up together and, you know, like I had heard a song of hers called, uh, um, uh, it was, uh, called, oh, I forgot. Um, it was a song that, that was that of hers. Mm -hmm. And I just felt something about her hearing that song. So I called her a bunch of times to see if I could get together. I just knew we were kindred spirits and she never would call me back. You know, until you give love a bad name, hit number one. Then she called me back and she said, welcome to the number one club. Yeah. Because mm, nice. she'd already had a couple number ones. Right. Yeah. So that was her opening line. Right. <laughs> and so I, I just loved her so much. I got her in on some writing sessions, including one with Paul. And so we were having we were at a little cafe before the session and uh, we said, what should we write? You know, like, let's walk in with a, with a, with a title. Like, let's let's figure out something that, you know, would intrigue him. And so, um, you know, we were just goofing around and 
you know, I think I said or she said, oh, you make me rock hard. Like, <laughs> you know, the double entendre of that. Yeah. right? <laughs> and we were laughing so hard. Like that title was like so stupid. That he, I said, he's just going to throw us out. I'm nope. telling you. You know, and so we almost half jokingly presented the title and he loved it. That's awesome. You you make me rock hard, right? And so it was like a joke, you know, (laughs) but, you know, he just made, you know, like something out of nothing he made something he made something out of it that pre-chorus on that song is fantastic let me tell you uh, oh yeah I was just gonna... me and tom always love that i, lo- we I talked love about it. it it's a look the title is kind of paul stanley can get away with that title anybody else would get laughed out of the room but of paul course. can make it work because he's got that and then to compound that with let's put the x in sex which is one of my favorite favorite kiss songs that in a couple other ones, I say those Paul. Yeah, we co- we co-wrote that with Jean Beauvoir, right? We just uh, had him on here a few weeks oh, ago. Was it Bruce Kulick, I forget who it was. We co-wrote that song. You with. wrote uh, "Who Wants to Be Lonely" with John, I think, right? Right, yep. right. Yep. We just I talked to him. That's, yep. By the way, my favorite Kiss song. Yeah. Who wants to be lonely? Fantastic song. Asylum's a ma- an amazing record. Absolutely. Who wants to be lonely. It's yep. amazing. It's amazing. So, so good. It's yeah. You mentioned er, earlier. You mentioned Bonnie Tyler. Um, yes. And and, yes. and 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 earlier earlier this year on our show, we had uh, one of your another legendary songwriter, one of your colleagues that you co-wrote "Hide Your Heart" with. We had the great Holly Knight on, and we talked to her about "Hide Your Heart," the construction of that song, and how it made its way through so many different people, from Bonnie Tyler to Ace Frehley. Kiss made it a big hit on "Hot in the Shade." When when, when you were constructing that song, did you have a, a vision of that song and Holly surprised Zeus and I by saying that she liked Ace's version the best. She thought that was more the, the rockinest version of that song. What are your thoughts on the song in general and Kiss's version of it? Well, let's just start to explain how that song came to be. Yeah. Uh, Paul came to write with me and I remember I was living in Santa Monica at the time, Curtis and I, it was our first house and everything. And I had a little writing room and it was very, Kiss like there was like uh the carpet was like like this. No joke. <laughs> of course Actually, it was definitely Paul like, yeah. Definitely. And um, you know, leopard chairs and zebra this and all that. <laughs> and so um he st- had started this song called Bite Down Hard. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, with no. Holly, because that oh, no. sort of like her kind of like she always has like a little bit of a edge. You oh, know, yeah. Like, yes. hard. like that was her title. Yes. And I didn't think that that title um, would sound commercial. I mean, okay. it's a great title, but, you know, it's like better bite down hard. Dun, 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 dun. It just. Oh, wow. Interesting. Know, OK, I see where you're going. But hide your heart had alliteration. That's another mm. principle of Bob Cruz, the alliteration. Yep. You know, he wrote a Lady Marmalade, which is, you know, yeah. Voulez-vous yeah. avec moi ce soir, all that mm. alliteration. Yep. And so, um, you know, I had, you know, that was my sense of it. So Paul and I, he said, do you want to like join the song? So he called up Holly, said, I have Desmond here. He's going to, you know, write on this song. So they had already started it. And so then we, you know, Paul and I started 
you know, pursuing this kind of a West Side Story yeah. storyline, right? Yes, yes. And, um, uh, you know, j- just like, you know, on the shady side of town, you know, our hearts are still, all of that. Um, we, you know, I was producing Bonnie Tyler. So mm-hmm. I got h- them to agree that I should give it to Bonnie because I was gathering songs. And another song that I got off of, Holly Knight for Bonnie was a song she wrote with Mike Chapman called The Best. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. We know all about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The best. Yeah. And when I heard that song, I said, oh my God, this is going to sell the entire album. I, I wasn't a co-writer, but I was the producer. Yeah. Found it, cut it with Bonnie as in, in including Hide Your Heart mm-hmm. and including, you know, Save Up All Your Tears, Tears in the Rain. Uh, I We did a version of To Love Somebody that then, you know, Michael Bolton. Anyway, the record company, this um, very kind of disagreeable uh, A&R guy in England, Muff Winwood, his brother uh, is Steve, I, right? Oh, wow. okay, okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he said, you don't have any, you know, you don't have any hits, you know, whatever. And mm, okay. Very snobby accent. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, we had... We didn't have hits. We had "You're Simply the Best." <laughs> I mean, with Bonnie's like scratchy voice and everything. Oh, I love oh, her voice. Her, love her. it. Years, two years later, fantastic. Her takes it all the way. Uh, Hide your heart got cut by you know Kiss, Ace Freely, um, Mo- Molly Hatchet, Mo- Molly Hatchet, Molly Hatchet, Molly Hatchet. Yeah. Yep. Robin Beck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yep. I mean, people cut that song. It's a good song. That chorus, you know, when it goes into hey, 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 you know, da, da, da. great chorus. Do, 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 yep. do, do, do. Oh, Little shades of, of do, 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 yes. Right in yes. that. And that, of course, that was Paul's, you know, contribution of, you know, more than that, you know, it's like, yeah, he brought the structure and the melody and everything to the song. So it's funny, so, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, that was like an, another example of, you know, how m- my life and Paul's and our music, you know, intersected. And um, for for the actually stepping back, um, I had written a song with Diane Warren, but it was like I had a list of song titles. And I had done a writing session with Paul, and one of Paul's, you know, lines was uh, "Love on a Roof," and um, you know, it was sort of like we didn't write that that song. It just I didn't even remember whose idea it was. I was just like writing lists of possible song titles. So when I went to write with Diane, I pulled out the list and I said, "Love on a roof," you know, "Love on a rooftop," and um, so we write this song, "Long on a, Love on a Rooftop." For um, Ronnie Spector, yep. who became mm-hmm. my first production. Okay. And I call up Paul all excited and I said, hey, you know, um, I wrote this song with this great girl, Diane Warren. It's called Love on a Rooftop. It's like silence. And it's like, what? That's my title. Uh-oh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, my God. You're so right. And so... He is, you know, obviously a co-writer of that song. Okay. Interesting. So that song was cut by Ronnie Spector, Cher, 
I think I cut it on my solo album, Discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, like that's like one of the best songs I've ever, you know, co-written. Yeah. So um, there's Paul Stanley again. Yeah. With the core idea, you mm -hmm. know, that, that, that would, without that, we couldn't have written that song. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so everything he touches turns to gold. That's what I say. Yeah. I mean, you spent the entire 80s, you know, into with him, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, from Animalize, Asylum, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade. You helped out with those songs on Smashes, Thrashes and Hits. You're obviously still very close with him to the point where he wrote the foreword of your book. You saw him in New York City. Were you? Did you and Paul ever talk during the time of? you know, Psycho Circus and Sonic Boom and Monster and those things. Did you ever, I know you didn't write any of those things, but was there ever any discussion with Paul or any kind of, did he consult with you or did you offer any advice on that? I mean, cause those, those albums, they're, they're, they can kind of be hit or miss with some of the Kiss fan base out there. Some of the songs are great. I know Holly Knight was involved in some of the Psycho Circus tracks, some of the anthemic tracks there. Um, but with your relationship with Paul, did you have anything to do with those in terms of even discussing those albums with no, Paul? I think, I think, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, kind of brought into those records, not exactly sure why. Um, but maybe it had to do with Gene, not, you know, wanting to put guards on the door to keep Desmond child out. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe just like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, it was one of those things. I wish they had called me. I would have been there in two seconds. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, people want to go in different directions. And then, then we got back together and wrote stuff for his solo record. Yes. That's uh, right. With, um, um, live to win. Andreas Carl Carlson. We wrote live to win. Awesome song. And, you know, and there was awesome, uh, South park episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how great was that? And True. um to win. I mean, it's like so, so, so great. In fact, Andreas wrote his autobiography and called it Live to Win. Wow. Okay. And okay. uh it was, you know, it did really well, you know, uh, in different languages and all this kind of stuff. It was like a like a motivation book, like the kind Gene writes. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah we know those. But I would I mean, say I, I love I love those books uh, by Gene, you know, like I, you know, and I I live live by those same mottos. Like he has one quote, which is, you know, um, vacations, weekends off, uh, all that is marvelous. Those are marvelous ideas for losers. <laughs> oh, typical, <laughs> typical Gene. I love it. He's I love a marvelous idea. Yeah, right, right, right. For yeah, losers. Yeah, for losers. That's how I tell all my interns because they see me working through the weekends. Sure. And, you know, it's like I wear them out and they're yeah. like, you know, college kids. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, if because I know that Diane Warren's writing on Saturdays. So yeah. if her lights are on, my lights got to be on. That's yeah. awesome. That's, that's a great awesome. attitude. That's, that's a great, a great attitude. Yeah. And, and so because the truth is that when you're in the arts, whether you're a painter or a musician, you start your your career all over again the minute you wake up. Yeah. Because one thing you did in the past matters. In fact, in my case, it can work against me. Yeah. Like, oh, you mean that guy 
that had like hits in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, in the 2000s, <laughs> yeah. 2010s, 2020s. He can't have one more hit in him. Yeah. He's yeah. Like worn every hit out possible. Right, you know? right. And that's like, you know, crazy way that some people think. But sometimes, you know, it's like, I heard this one quote, which I love, which is, you're only new once. It's great. Good point. <laughs> you're only yeah. new once. But in my case, I always have the attitude. It's like, I'm new every day when I wake up. And I go, fuck, I don't want to be poor. I don't yeah. want to go back to the ghetto. I don't want to, like, wake up and find myself at, you know, square one having to like sell my house, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sell my Bentley. That's a oh. really good story. That's a really good Paul Stanley. Yeah. Story. The, oh. with, the, with you and him and the Bentley and the, and the, yeah, the yeah, Benz yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's a fantastic yeah. story. And so, yep. um, uh, so that's why, you know, I'm motivated. Now I have two, you know, sons that, uh, you know, they're like princes. Yeah. And, you know, they won't wear anything but John Barbados. That's <laughs> ah, no. And they're nice. always looking sharp and they look like they're like like princes. And now they're yep. going to they decide they're going to be lawyers. Oh, uh, watch oh, out. Business lawyers. OK, oh. there you go. They're graduating this year. And then uh, Nero, oh, that's awesome. Nero already got a job um, as a paralegal for two years while he studies for his LSATs. And he's yeah, been, mm -hmm. you know, it's like a five year program. Become an entertainment lawyer. Wow. And, and Roman God bless. Go, go down the same road as well. And, you know, I keep saying, you're know, like, either they'll really defend me or they'll both be suing me. <laughs> okay. So I'm writing with, with, with Paul where I think we're writing that song, uh, like angels. Is, what's the name of that song? It was on his solo record, uh, in the something of angels or, Oh, off, off off the Live to Win album you're talking about. Yeah, what's it? What's that song with the title oh, "Angels" on God. it? I'm Look it up. I'm, 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 I'm We're writing that song. Where angels dare? Thank you. Where angels dare? Yes, yes. Okay, isn't that a great title? Yes, that, love it. Angels and dare because angels don't have to dare. Right, they're good, but yep. when you dare, you sometimes aren't so good. You know. Yep. When you dare to do things that are against the rules. So that's that's an example where angels dare. And so we're writing where angels dare. And uh, he said, hey, you know what? Um, I'm getting sick of my car. You know, he had this beautiful, like, um, Mercedes, like, SL, but it was like chrome, you know, like, uh, what do they call it? Hub Hubcaps and the, the, like, the wheels. Yep. Oh, my. Oh, it was like shiny and gorgeous. He'd already had it like five years or something. And the, the sound system in there was like custom. And it was like, you went in there and you just felt like enveloped by the music. And he said, you know, I'm thinking of like going down and I, I love this, this, this Bentley I saw, you know, I just think it's just so great. Um, maybe I'll just trade it, trade it out. I said, no, no, don't trade it out. Sell me your car. You know, I'll pay top dollar for it and then use that as down payment for the Bentley. So we go down and I see this like black, all black. It looks like like something, you know, Queen Elizabeth would be in. In <laughs> fact, yes, 
she had like this Arnage T Bentley, you know, with the little flags in the front. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And but it was like a sport version, like the seats had like these cross hatchings mm-hmm. and the um, it it has this walnut console but it's all looks like you're in a in a in a boat from the 1950s like a, one of those kind of speed yachts yep these you know and they had gone wrong the previous year and had like uh front lights that went around kind of a little okay. bit mm-hmm. no but they went to this classic thing with these round lights like the like looked like retro already and the lines in it were like deco and like so gorgeous and I saw that Bentley and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, that Bentley. OK, the asking price was like close to three hundred thousand dollars. Jeez. <laughs> yep. You know, and so, you know, Paul said, well, let's, you know, take it out for a spin. Let's, you know, da, 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 da. by the time we left there, I bought the Bentley <laughs> and he kept his car for another seven years. OK, Oh God. <laughs> but that Bentley is like my pride and joy. Yeah. You know, I, you know, my, my father had left me some money and, you know, in his will and everything. And, you know, I decided I was going to blow it all on this Bentley. Good for you. It wasn't our money. It was yeah. his money. Yeah. Right. Right. His money, so That's I could right. do whatever That's I right. wanted. With his That's money. Right. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So of course. I, so this car, I mean, it was 2005. Brand wow. new. Yeah. I still have the car. Wow. It only has 30,000 miles on it. Oh, wow. Wow. It's in pristine shape. I keep it garaged. I have, you know, it's like detailed. It's my pride and joy. And it's like, you know, my mom, you, you, you know, we lived in the ghettos, you know, in Liberty City and the projects. And my mom had this beat up car. I mean, it was so sad. I mean, most of the time it just sat in front of our house because she didn't have gas to put in it. Yeah. You know, so she wow. would walk, you know, in the rain to get to a bus, to, you know, that she'd have to transfer to get to some job. She'd be late for a job. Then three weeks later, she was fired and she'd have to start all over again. She worked at Burger King. So I remember, you know, my mom came out to Cal- to live with us in California. This is later in life. And uh the thing that I used to do on Sundays was take the Bentley out. I had this other, you know, more casual car, but that was my Sunday driving car. And I take our sons, Roman and Nero to the Beverly Hills hotel to have breakfast at the fountain, you know, where Gene. And, you know, there's always this um, uh, waitress there. Her name is Ruth. She's still there. And, uh, they, you know, my sons love the pancakes and the waffles and they have these little, you know, bottles of real maple syrup and all this kind of stuff. And I took my mother with us and, mm. you know, um, she's looking around this car and she said, whose car is this? And I said, this is my car. You own this car? And I said, yeah, this is my car. And, you know, it was like a very tender moment. Yeah. Oh, because beautiful. it was yeah. like, wow, that was, you know, yep. a long road. Mm. From the You know, that yeah. jump car that she had. And um, 
you know, to get to get to the Beverly Hills Hotel. We'd show up at the front. They'd take my car. They never would take it away. They always like parked it right in the front. Always gave $20 tips, you yeah. know, to make sure, you know, they kept their eye on it. And, um, you know, it was very, very, very moving to me because, you know, growing up, the money was so tight. Yeah. And I saw how she suffered. Sometimes she would just couldn't pay her bills and she would be crying, you know, at the, at that little table when she looked at all the bills and she was like, she didn't know what she was going to do. And to be in a position to be able to drive my mother in style, you know, I, I mean, it was worth it. Every penny. God bless. God yeah, bless. It's the American dream. It's a it's an it amazing is. story in her really family is. background and between the whole like Batista and, and Castro regime and your aunts. I mean, they could do a mini series on that. And to like really before you even got to the point where you became a this famous musician, just your family story makes it's such a thrilling read. I mean, it's it's an incredible backstory. And to be able to do that with your mom in your Bentley yeah. at Beverly Hills, I mean, kudos to you. It's a great story to hear that. Well, uh, it's the American dream. It I, is. You know, totally. I was born, I was she was from Cuba and I was born in the United States. So that officially makes me a dreamer. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, technically. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh you know, that's that's why, you know, when I see, you know, people that were born here that they don't even speak Spanish and they're being threatened to be like expelled because yeah. their parents weren't from here. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's not that's not what we're about. Right. You know, and so, um, you know, I I, I can I can see, you know, um, what's happening. And it's, you know, not to get too serious, but, you know, folks are, you know, taught to hate. Yeah. You're not born with hate. It's true. It's and then true. what happens is you have your your little group of hater friends and you, let's say, hate one thing. And maybe that's you hate like Latins. Mm-hmm. You think they're going to take their jobs. They took their jobs, right? <laughs> Like at yeah. South Park, right? Yeah. yeah. We obviously watched a lot of South Park. Yeah, that's it's all okay. good. It's good. Uh, but then they meet up with 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 another group out there saying, you know, well, we hate uh, people that are trying to take away our guns. You know, and, you know, and so, well, we need the guns to protect ourselves from the Mexicans. So now there's like a double group of hate, hate people. And now they hate the same thing. And mm-hmm. then they find they go, you know what? I don't know if I like drag queens. They're embarrassing. Why is why does a guy have to dress up like a girl? You know, right? What's what's going on there? It's not right. And so we hate not only drag queens, but anybody that's like LGBT, Q, R, S, T, U, V, M, O, U, S, E. Right? They just keep, you know, adding <laughs> you know, yeah. stuff to it. And um, and so like, oh, okay, so join our group of haters. Let's keep marching together. Yeah. And then more haters and more haters. And then it's like 
they even forgot what they hated to begin with. All of a sudden, we're just haters. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's that's a very frightening direction. Yeah. You know, we saw that happen in the McCarthy era when there was mm-hmm. the Red Scare yeah. and mm-hmm. the Lavender Scare. Mm-hmm. They were scared of the communists. Uh, and then they were, they're scared of the gay people because, you know, we were likely to be uh, extorted. That, you know, they'd, they'd out us mm-hmm. if we didn't reveal, you know, secrets. But, you know, what took many decades for them to figure out is if you're out, you can't be extorted. Yeah. Right. Finally, the army saw the reason. You know, it's like if you're out, you're out. Mm-hmm. You're going to try to extract government secrets out of you if you're if you're out. Right. So I just, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, I have, um, you know, people in my family who are, you know, fall on the, on the, that side. And it's like, how could Cubans hate Mexicans? We're all Latin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, those are the kinds of things. When I was coming up, you know, it was the sixties. And at that point, everybody was like growing their hair long. You know, all you need is love. We're going to San Francisco with flowers in our hair. And I thought that by now, by the time I am got old, that the world would be like, you know, Burning Man or something. Like everybody happy, <laughs> everybody yep. loving each other, maypoles with everybody just like, you know, dancing naked in the wind or something. And it seems like as time has gone on, it hasn't gone that way. Mm. And, you know, it's really, it's very frightening. And everything that's going on, you know, seems to be leading us, you know, into this kind of scary world where, you know, somebody's going to make all the rules. Mm -hmm. And that's not what rock and roll is all about. Rock and roll Mm -hmm. is about breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. You know? And being yourself, you know, you go to, uh, you know, that Kiss concert, there were, you know, come on now. Paul Stanley made a career out of long hair, red lips, (laughs) painted nails, (laughs) platform shoes. Yep. And, and, and tights. Yes. You know, it's true. and, And it's like, I went to that concert there was every form of drag queen at that concert, okay? <laughs> they, were like, they were like eight feet tall. Yeah. You know? And that's what I love about KISS is that you go there and the the being a KISS fan unites everybody, doesn't separate people. Mm-hmm. You're part of, of like a group love and you feel uplifted when you leave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, that's what the world needs now is more kiss. That's what I've, I've not, said. not less, not avatars. Well, What's that's your what thoughts we ju- on that. Yeah, we, we were just going to get to that as, as we, before we let you go, Desmond, you were there. We were there. Thoughts on the final show in New York City in general, moving forward with the avatars and just, just kind of the culmination of the end of the road. Well, I, I love the avatars. Okay. I went to see ABBA Voyage in London. Yes. Okay. Twice. Yep. At first, you're like wowed by the technology. I mean, when it's like 
the kind of animation that we saw isn't like how it's going to be. Okay. okay. Look like, like there's right there, you know, like in real life and they can do all kinds of things, you know, with, you know, that haven't even been thought of yet, you know, to, to bring the audience into the music, into the spirit. And it's, it's not going to be like, like a cartoon, you know, and it's beautiful. It's fantastic. This ABBA voyage. And I was very touched by it because when you look more into it, you see that they were writing all these songs that seem so happy. But if you listen to the lyrics, they were very sad. Mm-hmm. You know, like the winner takes it all. And where it was about what they were going through in their relationships with each other. And so, you know, I see that this can work if it's done artfully and yeah. with style and 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 with imagination. You know, like uh two's playing in that, that sphere. The sphere. Yeah. You know, and I hear that that's like mind boggling. Yeah. You know, so I think the entertainments of the future, you know, can be fantastic like that. Mm-hmm. And I think w- it'll be all good and more people can enjoy it. And yeah. I think that, you know, being there um, was very touching, it was very touching. You know, uh, you know, I was on kind of Paul's side of the stage and um, just the way he looked up at us. Yeah. You know, it was like mm-hmm. so touching. Yeah. And um, I just, you know, know how m- much he loved doing it. And, you know, there comes a point in your life when, you know, your body just can't can't give anymore. You know, because a show like that, they give it all, mm-hmm. you know, every ounce of what they've got. So now if they can spend the next, you know, 10, 20 years creating entertainments that can go all over the world and give people like a realistic uh, thing and they can be young and beautiful forever, you know, I'm 100% for it. Awesome. Yeah. The the one thing I was going to say about that, um, how does it how does it work? Like, will the music be? like studio albums, the avatars will be using studio albums or are they using old concert footage to be voicing the music? Or is it going to be them recording new music with the avatars singing? Remember that um, they um, recorded all of this stuff in multi-track recording. Mm -hmm. So they can really beef this stuff up with explosions and things like never before. Yep. And and the vocals are going to sound, you know, fantastic. And they have, you know, like new speaker systems that are loud. Like, I don't know if you noticed this, but I didn't get my ears blown out at this Kiss concert. No, no, we, we were in the second row. We were we in the second ears. row. Yeah, we in, yeah. It wasn't yeah. that it was soft. It felt loud and powerful, yep. but they, they've worked it out. Yep. So people can feel the music, you know, go through them and without not, going deaf and that without going deaf. Yeah. And so it's really, um, you know, whatever it takes, you know, if Paul has to re-sing a song, you know, or Gene does or replay something to, to fit, you know, what they're trying to do, the tr- musical transitions, it's like writing a musical. Yep. It'll, it'll be done and it'll be done great. So th- it'll be Paul's voice. 
Yeah. You know, it's not going to be a synthesized AI version yeah. of his voice. I know those things exist and, you know, and all that is fine as long as there's consent. Exactly. Yes. Credit. Yep. Compensation. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for the use of what you spent your life doing. And his likeness. Yeah. So as you yeah. know, I'm sure that they're going to be very, very, you know, hands on, you know, like creating these new entertainments. It's like, I mean, there's so many things. It's whatever you can think can be done. And I think they're going to be very excited, you know, to like think like in these new ways that are like they always were ahead of their time, you know, yeah. and that, you know, this will this will. They're right there on the cutting edge, you know, so I'm very, 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 very happy for them. And I know that then they're never going to disappoint. <laughs> no, nice. Not nice. Paul and Jean. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Desmond, what are, what's besides this incredible book, which everyone needs to pick up? Oh, you yeah. mean this little thing? Yeah, that this, this little thing. Living <laughs> on a prayer. Big songs, big life. That's right. Um. What's what's your latest project that you're working on? I've been I've been working on a musical called Cuba Libre, and it's the true story of my family before oh, and after. There you go. Revolution. Awesome. Excellent. <laughs> I've been go. working on that for 15 years, and yeah. we just did a workshop here in Manhattan, and it was very successful, and we're getting all kinds of interested people with money uh, that want to, you know, bring it all the way to Broadway. Nice. And so, um, you know, that, you know, the, when you get a hit, land a hit like that, it can become a musical movie. It can become, you know, so many things can happen with a property like that. It wasn't from a book, it, I, it, even though now it's in my book, yeah. uh, but it wasn't from a movie, uh, you know, a pre-existing movie that they turned into a musical like, you know, Lion King or something like that. It's all original. And um, I want to continue working on musicals like, because when you write a song, it's like a four minute journey, but right. when you write a musical, it's like two hours, mm-hmm. and, you know, people come in for, through the front door and then they leave out the side doors transformed mm. completely. They're not the same if you've done your job. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the beauty of music anyway is it puts us in touch with our humanity gets us in touch with feelings and our humor and our soulfulness and so you know you can do that in amazing ways with theater because you don't have to be strict with formats you know our radio formats that you know some program director is telling you how to write your song you know <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can go up and down slow down you know, it doesn't have to be right on time. I mean, it can change keys. It can go anywhere you want. And I find that really challenging musically. That's cool. And, um, you know, the other cool thing is that my friends, the, the Leuzzi family, they've had a cosmetic company since the 1950s in mm-hmm. Rome. And they're really great friends of mine. And sometimes I co- collaborate with, with their son, Christian. He's a great composer. And uh, he, he says, you know, my mom wants to do a, uh, a skin line for you. It's like, 
Why? Because we just love you. Let's do it. So (laughs) we created Vita Loca Skin Life. Oh, wow. And so you can go at VitaLocaSkinLife.com and order. They have We have a cream and we have an oil and it's all natural ingredients, no parabens, no Mm -hmm. anything that's like bad for you. And it's a neutral smell. And so, you know, our slogan is skin has no gender. No. Because, you know, the way that the marketeers do it, oh, this, this, you know, skin thing is for women. This skin thing is for men. You know, this, you know, it's like, it's for everybody. And, uh, you know, he, she, they, them, us, you know, it's like, we're all human beings. And I'm very proud of it. And, uh, you know, I haven't had time to really promote it. So uh, you're amongst the first that I'm like talking about it. Thank you. Excellent. Awesome. You can follow my journey on Instagram. Yes. Desmond.child. And um, every day or two, I'm posting something cool. Like this, this last one is me and uh, Stevie Van Zandt. Yes. Yes. I saw that. We had a fantastic brunch. Uh, that my manager threw with like giants of like Ron Delsner was there. I mean, it it was like uh, Brian Doyle, you know, uh, I mean, he's, you know, he's like legendary, you know, was the head of champion entertainment. I mean, um, Steve Martin, the head of Paladin um, agency, um, Sam Hollander was sitting next to me. Oh, yeah. He co-writes and produces Panic at the Disco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, my godson, Winston Simone Jr. was there. And uh, Larry, uh, Larry Mustel, right? Uh, he's the one that has Primal Wave. Oh, he's yeah, that's right. He has billions in catalogs. I mean, they were all there. They do it. This is the first year I've been invited. And so I, I was like, so like, um, proud to be there and the stories, the dirt that they were telling, <laughs> fantastic, you know, yep. so, uh, that's great. That's yeah, great. It was at, uh, Mark's off Madison. That's nice. awesome. And, nice. and Mark, Mark used to own a, uh, a, a restaurant on the, on the East side, uh, off of Madison, actually, uh, called Coco Pazzo, where Tommy Matola and, uh, Bob, um, the head of Electra Records. Um, oh my God, just all the, you know, they were all sitting at different tables. You know, there was kind of like, um, like almost like, like Godfathery kind of quality. <laughs> Coco Pops. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you'd go from table to table and kiss the ring and all this kind of stuff. I mean, those were the bad old days, you know. <laughs> I love the bad old days because you could buy time on the radio stations. Yeah. Yeah. The payola and all that stuff. You yes. Do. Because yeah. it takes repeated listening for a hit to stick. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so in those days, you know, you would have to have a really great song and everything. But if they're just playing a song in the middle of the night in Iowa and, you know, it doesn't get one phone call because everyone was asleep, then you, you get dropped from the label. You know, all of those pollsters and all that kind of stuff. 
No, in the bad old days, you could just buy the radio station <laughs> and yeah. play your artist. Yeah. Yep. No, yep. And, and and like buy the time so yep. that that folks, fans could get a chance to hear the song like two or three times a day. Then you could create icons. Then you could create superstars. But yep. now it's TikTok. Yeah, I know. Now it's almost like anybody can almost become a star. It's easy and cheap. But then uh, then again, it's like harder to because there's so much. There isn't the the central record companies and things where you'd play for these. uh, uh, Get your album out and stuff. If there's no touring tour support. Yeah. Then you can't get good at it. Yeah. You know, you can't become a superstar. And Gene talks about it all the time. You know, I, and so, um, you know, that's why I like the bad old days. Yeah. yeah. Well, you were good at it, let's say, and you're still good at it. Oh, he he so is much. he is Desmond Child, the legendary songwriter here. We're so glad that he joined us for this excellent interview. The book is Living on a Prayer, Big Songs, Big Life. Get it. You will love it. It's incredible. Yeah, it's one of the forward, best. It's one, one of the forward. best books forward by. Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley. That's right. And check him out on Instagram. Desmond Child, it has been an honor and a privilege for us to spend this much time with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Desmond. We appreciate it, buddy. And we'll see you in Greece this summer, right? Yes. Also, you tell me I get an invite to those exclusive places you go to? Oh, (laughs) we stay in a very, very low, low key island, you know, in a family hotel. And our kids have been going there ever since they were five years old. All their friends were like the the Greek kids that the, the, the families owned the restaurants and the little shops. And now they're all like at, you know, Harvard and Princeton and, you know, those same little kids. So they, every summer they, we all get back together and they still, you know, now they stay up every night to watch the sun rise. So then they then, sleep all day long and then go back out and party like I, I try to explain it. So when I went to Greece, Tom and I still did this podcast and I'm like seven hours ahead. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, we'll be going out soon. Or I'm coming in. It's like three in the morning. I'm like, yeah, I'm up. It's not a big deal. And doing a podcast with him. It was because yeah. yep. that's the life. That's what you do. That's you go life. out to dinner that's at 10, fine. 11 o'clock. And I love Greece. I did a, a show there. Uh, oh, the that- Acropolis. Oh, Desmond, I know all about yeah, it. Desmond Child rocks rocks the the Parthenon. That was the yeah. name. Desmond Child mm-hmm. rocks the Parthenon, and we Alice Cooper, Bonnie Tyler, Rita Wilson, Kip Winger, uh, the um, the Rasmus from Finland, and you know this amazing group of Greek and American musicians all coming together, and all female eighteen piece string orchestra. 60 piece choir and it, it was all in this uh outdoor um amphitheater, amphitheater called yeah. the Odeon of Herodus Atticus and it was built 2000 years ago. I've been there about 10 times. And um <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Know, it's, you know because they have very strict rules, you know, you can't, you know, pull your phone out, you can't film anything. I don't know. I went crazy and I said you know, everybody, pull your phone out, <laughs> put it on flashlight. And then, you know, we started, you know, everybody started going like that. And, uh, you know, it was so cute. Uh, you know, the minister of culture was there. This lady, very like, you know, 
serious. Serious. Oh, I know. Yeah, Yeah. And so, you know, she's the one that makes the rules, you know, and so she's there. And somebody caught her on camera filming Alice Cooper singing Poison. And she was singing along, okay? That went viral, went viral. You know, so, you know, it was like, you know, it was just so much fun. So I hope that I get to do, you know, Desmond Child Rocks the Parthenon 2 someday. That'd be so great. Uh, We filmed it, and it's going to be part of my uh, Lifetime documentary that I'm also working on. Awesome. 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 Great. He's Desmond Child, the legend. Thank you, Desmond. Tom, that was Desmond Child. Um, we interviewed Desmond Child, me and you. Yeah, imagine that. Five years ago, we were interviewing Murph. Now we're into, now we're now we're interviewing Desmond Child. See, dreams do come true, people. Uh, just incredible. I mean, he. The thing that I like about him is that I mean, we've we've interviewed so many amazing, incredible people. And all the interviews are different because everybody has their own style of conversation yes. and answering questions. But Desmond tells stories with his responses. Like yeah. one of the most fascinating things for me was hearing. I mean, no, this it's not a, a coincidence. This guy's like a genius songwriter because him telling us stories about how he writes them and like that thing about like the opposites, yes. you know, heaven, heaven's on fire. You, I, you know, I hate myself for loving you. Like I, I just, I, it didn't even dawn on me. And it's so simple the way he presents this. You know what I I think is funny. You, you said to him when he, at one point, you love me you to love hate me. you. And I think it went right over his head. Like I wrote he, that song. He, he either didn't hear me or was like, yeah, we're not talking about that one. But his stories about Bon Jovi, the story about Richie Sambora, and then his, that his was a stories. creepy story. That was like oh. a horror movie. The way he described it vividly, seriously, yeah. But just incredible stuff. I mean, just so much experience, so much knowledge. The guy's just, the guy's brilliant, and th- there's a reason why his name is attached to some of the biggest songs in history, not just Kiss songs. He was so kind. First of all, the guy is decked out. Oh my god! Like, like meticulously dressed up, and here we are in our kiss end of the road shirts. <laughs> Seriously, he's got like a fucking thousands of dollars, fucking grand piano in the background, gorgeous house in the background, yep. and, and he's like all like just like he just came came out of the salon. Oh yeah. And, and me and you all schlepping in our kiss rooms. I'm sitting there's like laundry baskets behind me. <laughs> but and he's as kind as can be, yeah. telling us stories, dropping names like fucking heads of record labels and all this shit. Oh and, my god. And we're Incredible. like and he's like saying these things, and we're just like, uh-huh. Yeah, oh yeah, I know. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah, uh-huh, oh, yep. Uh-huh, yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Just- <laughs> Meanwhile, we were hanging out with Yvonne Jepson and fucking Gary Cap at the Loudcasters <laughs> convention. Yeah, you guys know uh, Kevin Jepson? We were hanging around with him. Oh, you were hanging around with the head of Geffen Records? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. it's, not the same, it's not the same thing. At the fucking, what do you say, the Beverly Hills Hotel Fountain? Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the seventh floor of some, it used to be a tenement building. <laughs> 
<laughs> we were hanging out with heavy mayo and fart spray at Gillette Stadium. <laughs> You're driving cars that cost more than the house I live in. <laughs> yeah, and he's talking about his Bentley. Oh, yeah, and it had the walnut interior. I'm like, oh, yeah, the walnut interior. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I was excited. I have heated seats in my Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was amazing got lots of fucking fun facts and stuff yeah. we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and again honestly if the show ends this year and we never do oh anything again God. we came with it in five years you said it best we interviewed murph and we made it to desmond child yep incredible well so, it's been so, a fun so. ride guys we'll see you yeah. We'll see you in another long time. There's your surprise. Yep. The Public Enemy podcast starts in January. <laughs> oh, man. So, Tom, let's move over to question of the week. What do you got? All right. We got one from a longtime fan listener supporter of the show, Keith Wetzel. Yeah, He's, Keith. Yeah, he says, so now that KISS have revealed what their plans are for the future with their digital avatars, what do you think other bands are thinking? I have yet to really hear anyone say anything, and I wonder if they're going to see how this plays out and potentially embrace the technology. Do you know the band I'm immediately thinking of? Go ahead. Motley Crue will do this. That's a good. And, yeah, I could, I could see what's that. What's funny about I it could, is. I could see that. Is they will be dicks about it and probably not put Mick Mars in and put John Five. Mm-hmm. You think Kiss fans are going to be pissed about shit? Wait till that shit fake Mars. <laughs> you could have all the mictards out there. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I can see other bands. Kiss will get laughed at just like the meet and greets, just like the yeah. costumes, just like the pyros, just like everything they instigated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then people will be like, fuck, that is pretty smart. You can make some good money from this. Well, I think Watch. Keith, an- I, I think Keith answers his own question within the question. I think the reason you haven't heard anything yet is because they want to see how this plays out because nobody wants to pass judgment yet. Because if this ends up being a success, they are all going to do it. So nobody's yeah. going to come out and say, this is stupid because then if they do it in five years, they don't want to look like idiots. So I think they're all, everybody's going to sit back, see where this is going. All these people talking about the ABBA voyage show. It's not going to be the same. It's the same company who's, who did ABBA voyage who's doing this, but it's already been stated that the kiss avatars is going to be very superhero like. It's not it the what we saw is larger than life, you know, cartoon video game type heroes. It's not going to be like the band as humans. So I think if people start to people are going to have to kind of embrace that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but Keith, Keith great question. Uh, always love hearing from you. And thanks for uh, your uh, longtime support of the show, buddy. And thank you for that. That's awesome. Tom, yep. where can people find us? Uh, we always tell people to start with our website, shoutitoutloudcast.com. That's where you can find all of our episodes, Shout it Out Loudcast, Dorm Damage. We just dropped our Christmas one. And, of course, Album Review Crew and Zeppelin Chronicles. Uh, and you can also find all of our links on there for our Patreon, our social media, our Amazon shopping, our merch. Everything is on there. You can comment directly from the website. We receive those in the form of an email. Uh, if you want your question of the week, you can send it through the website or use our email directly, shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com again we like to say we read every single email you send us we might not be able to get to all of them on the show but we read all of them and zeus and i always talk about them so please send an email and again if you want your question of the week we have a whole folder of them we pick a good one every week so please be part of the show with that and of course social media twitter facebook instagram youtube 
please check us out. We're very active on all of those. We, if you follow us, you know how active we are, and we want you guys to be a part of that. And, of course, we always like to say that we are a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network of Shows. Yeah, people can DM us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us one of those five-star child reviews on Apple Podcasts. That helps move us up the food chain. It's a big help to the show. Uh, and the other ways you can help out the show is by visiting our awesome website. And there you can go to our merch. You can go to our Amazon store. Plenty of stuff to do to help support the show. Uh, please also make sure you email us at shoutedoutloudcast at gmail.com. Shoutedoutloudcast at gmail.com. And we always end our show on famous last words. Do you have any? Of course I have something. We have Desmond Child. We have a whole plethora of songs we can pick from here, but I'm going with this bad boy that was mentioned during the episode. Hot lover, turn up the heat. I want your sugar, girl, your love tastes so sweet. I feel a fire burning under me. I've got a hunger that your love's got to feed. Ooh, yeah, Desmond. I heard somebody knocking, so I opened up the door. She wore a hat, shades, and a trench coat. Wasn't wearing that much more. She said she knew my secrets, but I didn't have a clue. Then I saw those black lace panties, and I knew that it was you. Desmond Child. Tom Loudcaster's Kiss Army. I want to thank you. I want to wish everybody a merry, merry Christmas. Desmond Child, eternally grateful for your time and your amazing interview with us. Loudcasters, everybody out there, a huge, huge wish for a merry Christmas. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Zeus, as always, my friend. Thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. Hit the music. What I'd like now is for all you fat, out of shape, worldwide kiss tards to keep the noise down while I show your ladies what a real sexy man looks like. Listen, all you people out there sitting on rented furniture, settle down. Cut the music. Anybody seen Richie? Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.